Soy Julie. <laughs> Soy. I think Lisa. That means my name. Okay. Soy Lisa. Milamo. Como estas? <laughs> Hola, Milamo Julie. Ah, there you go. Hola, mi nombre es Julie. <laughs> we are Lisa and Julie. Dos sober chiquitas. <laughs> That's right. Why are we doing this in Spanish? I don't know. I feel like people are bored of the intro, so I'm trying to spice it up a bit. In really bad fucking Spanish. How is it in French again? I have no idea. Bonjour. Je m'appelle. Yes! Je m'appelle Julie. Je m'appelle Lisa. Oh, but my name can be Julie. That's right. Bonjour. Je m'appelle Julie. <laughs> What's that dirty word, that dirty sentence in French? Well, the one that... Voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? The one that ex- means, do you want to fuck me tonight? That's right. Do you want to have sex with me? Sex it up. I I um dated peg this French girl. Peg it up. Oh my god, she's giving you all of her I dirty secrets. I learned what secrets. pegging and docking was this week, and I've been obsessed with both of them. Don't look it up with video or images. You might be <laughs> frightened. All right. This is an E-rated podcast. I would certainly hope we did not give your children in the backseat ideas. <laughs> No, we do have that warning on there just because we swear. That's all. That's the only reason it's there. And we can get dirty. And every now and again, Julie likes to wield around her sexual prowess and knowledge with new (laughs) words. Gets her urban dictionary out. I was trying to think of the word that this ex-girlfriend taught me. The phrase, oh, attends-moi, je viens. Come to me now? Except it was more like, attends-moi, je viens, je viens. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of like that. And I was like, damn, I don't that know what that is. amazing. But I like it. That Whatever is amazing. it is. Wait for me, I'm coming. Wow. <laughs> That's what it means. Okay. Yes, you I have a French wait. girlfriend? I did. Yeah. It was a one night stand that turned into a two night stand that turned into a third night stand. And then that day when I got home from work, she'd cleaned my apartment and it was love. So I allowed <laughs> her to, to stay. <laughs> That's right. A clean Wait, house. Your heart is not a screaming banshee of a French woman. It's cleaning the house. Cleaning the house. Yep, exactly. Naked so. and in heels. True. There was that as well. Yeah. She was French. They're fiery. Um, wow. Is this what a sexual in the podcast? What are we talking about? <laughs> so, well, how did this go so wrong I so don't quickly? Know. <laughs> it was my fault. I feel like it's always my fault and I apologize. <laughs> It was the language thing. We got on languages. <laughs> and we're both like super uber turned on by I accents. I cannot wait to to see what title you come up with for this podcast. Because you are like the master of that. I fucking love your titles. I could never come up with those. Yeah, this one will be fun, I think. It'll be like, Attends-moi. <laughs> je viens. That's, je viens. that's exactly what it's going to be called. <laughs> Attends-moi. Oh je viens. God, so good. People will be like, what the fuck? Oh, okay. So, um, the last podcast we did, we were running out of topics and, um, you know, we want to hear from you because we need some fresh ideas. So email us at the number two sober chicks at gmail.com and give us some suggestions on what you want us to talk about. Or if you have something that you're struggling with, we'd love to talk about it. Don't ask us what pegging and docking is. You can do your own research. (laughs) Exactly. Julie cannot demonstrate those things. Well, actually, you could demonstrate one of them. You'd need a willing partner. But the other one, you don't have the parts, so forget it. Okay, back to the spiritual solution, Julie. Back to our clean program of living. (laughs) There is. That's right. 
there is a solution. So we flipped open the big book last time and we each put our finger on a page. With our eyes closed. And um, we did Julie's last time and I flipped open to page 19, which is there is a solution. Did you put your finger on a particular word or sentence? Uh, no, I just flipped open. Okay. So page 19. Yeah. All right. So I have it could lots be page... of writing and highlighting and stars on page 19 from my big book. Could be page 18 too because I just flipped open to that page. Let's stick with 19. Okay. Um, so what I have highlighted is we feel that elimination <gasps> of our too. drinking <laughs> is but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, mm. occupations, and affairs. Very true. Um, what I love about that is it's for me, it's a reminder that um, the 12 steps, you don't just go through them once and then forget about it and you're cured. You never graduate from this program. You are a student for life of life. Mm -hmm. You are a student of the spiritual process, uh, hopefully till the end of your days and hopefully you continue to see improvement. And um, this is a reminder that we practice these principles in all of our affairs. Have to. So that means at work. Um, at home, with friendships, on the street, on the subway, driving your fucking car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the ism, right? It's not alcoholism. It's alcoholism. <laughs> yeah. And alcoholism isn't just about alcohol. It's the way we view life, the way we behave in life, how we handle life. And we can't separate step 12, practicing these principles in all our affairs. Because what are the principles? We have to go back all the way through 1 to 11. Yeah. Um, and it even says that at the end of that page, it touches on it. Most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions and attitudes, which make, and respect for their opinions are attitudes, which make us more useful to others. That's practicing mm. step 12, being loving and tolerant. Don't have to agree, but you don't have to be an asshole about it. That's right. And the next line is, our very lives as ex-problem drinkers mm. depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. So, you know, we do have a dependency on this program. And I was saying this the other day when we were talking about step three. Mm -hmm. um, I am of the type that was a real, is a real alcoholic. Um, meaning that my life depends on the active engagements of the 12 steps in order for me to be right with the world because mm -hmm. I was not in right relation with the world. I was really in a fucked up place and mm -hmm. uh, it was very self-centered, full of self-pity. Um, I wanted things the way I wanted them. I couldn't understand why other people wouldn't behave. And I had that idea that it talks about on page 60, if only the rest of the world would behave the way, you know, I wanted them to. If they would play their fucking parts. I've got a script and I'm assigning you a part and you're not fucking playing it right. Yeah, because so, you're the problem in my life, and if you yeah. behave, then I'm fine. Right, or if I get the perfect job, or if I get that promotion, or if I get that raise, then everything's going to be fine. And time and time again, life would show me, no, that's not actually true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you might have more money, but you're still unhappy, or you might get that promotion, but now you want another one. Mm -hmm. So it's a constant cycle. I like how in the paragraph underneath that... Mm -hmm. Because this is when people say, I am a recovered alcoholic, I never understood what that meant at the beginning. I thought it meant that we were cured. Ah. But it says right there, what we mean when we say, I am recovered, is from a hopeless condition of mind and body. 
That's what recovered means. If that is what recovered is, then I'm recovered because I don't have that hopeless condition of mind and body anymore. I am not devoid of hope. I have so much hope. And I'm also not that person I was when I was a slave to drinking or my alcoholism. Um, And I like how right at the top of the page it says, as ex-problem drinkers, because that's what we are. Mm -hmm. We are ex-problem drinkers because we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. Oh, So this leads me to a great... um question that a newcomer brought up in the room a couple of weeks ago and it was beautiful and I love that she had the courage because we often don't at the end of the meeting um, she had shared but then she had another question just as we were closing Mm -hmm. and I just said I said hey I'm a temporary sponsor I can answer that question or we can talk about that afterwards nice so because the meeting was closing Um, so we talked and there was like four or five people who came around to hear what I was going to say to this woman. That's a good, by the way, that's a good thing to remember. If you're in a meeting and you're a chairperson and someone interrupts or has a question or is new and they don't know that it's not a discussion forum, to say, that's awesome, let's talk about that after the meeting. Instead of saying, which I've seen people do, we don't do that here. Oh my God. It's like, (laughs) uh, don't shut them down. No. Oh my God, don't shut them out. That's really good. Um, so yeah, that's what we did, and uh, Mary was the chairperson, and she said, so you've you've got that, Lisa? And I said, yep. She said, great, thank you, and then we, we closed the meeting, and then I talked, and one of the people who was coming over to hear what I was going to say had, was someone that's been around for a while, mm-hmm. and I looked at him, and he goes, I want to hear how you're going to answer this too, because <laughs> no he had thought about it himself. He's mm. like, yeah, why do we? And the question was... Um, I, I've been here for, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months and I don't drink anymore. So why are we still mm. calling ourselves alcoholics? I asked that on my second meeting yeah. as a newcomer. Yeah. I, I was mad though. I didn't ask like an open way. I was like pissed. Yeah. No, I think she was just wondering. She was questioning. That's a good question. And, um, oh, and the other thing she said was something about, you know, I don't behave the same way. Mm-hmm. I don't drink. I'm not drinking anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why are we still calling? And I think it has a lot to do with, okay, I've had to label myself this dirty, horrible, shameful word. And, um, hey. I've heard people ask that question too, from a religious standpoint. So saying why I, you know, God has freed me. My understanding of God is that I am redeemed and I am saved and I am a sinner no more. So am I going against God and what he's done for me if I continue to identify as an alcoholic? Of which I probably had the exact same answer for her as you're going to tell this newcomer. Okay. I'll be interested to hear what you have to say. Okay. Um, So basically my answer was um, exactly what it says in this book, Mm -hmm. that we are recovered from that obsession and craving because we have a spiritual condition and we now use the spiritual principles to help us deal with the craving and the obsession. However, I am always going to be an alcoholic because if... I put alcohol in my body, it's going to activate that craving, that allergy, and that obsession. Yes. And when I am not drinking, especially in the beginning, I still have that obsession of mind. Mm -hmm. It's still thinking about it. And then when I am recovered and I haven't been putting alcohol in my body and I'm not, you know, wanting to drink all the time, um, I still have that obsessive, crazy thinking. Yeah. So I still think like an alcoholic, but I have to apply these principles. So I'm recovered in the fact that but not I'm not drinking every day, mm-hmm. but the moment I pick up that first drink, I'm 
all bets are off. Yeah. So it activates. So yep. that was kind of the simple version of what we talked about. Yeah, that's what I said. And I also added, if I deny that that's what I am or I don't acknowledge it, it's breeding ground for me to go back out there. Because mm-hmm. if that's not what I am, then why am I doing this program? Yeah. And why can't I drink again? Yeah. Well, I haven't had a drink for, a, and I, that happened to me. I haven't had a drink for two years. I can probably drink yeah, safely. Me too. So whoops go out and then we talked about that you know we have tried and that's our experience so you're listening to the experience of other people who have tried that thinking Mm -hmm. and that thinking got us drunk again Mm -hmm. (laughs) and guess what here I am I'm back now it's all over again I mean we don't lose the time but for me that's just as much a marker against not going out as like fuck I don't want to lose my what do I have now continuously six and a half years Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back to a desire chip into my first year. I don't want that yeah. at all. It's humbling. It's very humbling. I know. To it do is that. humbling. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was back back until I had another two years under my belt again. Right. Until it, I eclipsed the amount of sobriety I had before I threw it away. And it's not humiliating um, because no one no. here makes you feel humiliated. No. Except for ourselves. I mean, I felt humiliated because I felt like, what a loser. I'm coming back. I'm I'm starting over. Mm -hmm. And all anyone ever did was, oh my God, Lisa, where have you been? Oh, we're so glad to see you. Yeah. Because we know as alcoholics that a lot of people who go out don't get the chance to come back because they die. Yeah. Either a slow death of alcoholism or drive drunk. related Overdose, alcohol-related incidents. Yeah. So... Um, don't drink. Anything else on page 19 or 20? Uh, I have so much. I have this um, highlighted too. Now, these are commonplace observations on drinking, which we hear all the time. What? I don't know what that means. It's obviously (laughs) out of context. The other one I had was on page 18, but the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution, who is properly armed with facts Mm -hmm. about himself can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. And we often say whenever something's put in italics in our book, um, it's of great importance. I think in part the great importance of that is that, you know, alcoholics who were deemed incurable Mm -hmm. by psychiatrists and physicians their family had given up on them because the family had tried to get them to stay sober for so long. Uh, then they meet with another alcoholic who shares their experience and the spiritual solution. They suddenly get well. Um, it just goes to show that it's one alcoholic sharing their experience in a non-judgmental way with another alcoholic. Yeah. You know, we the only skin we have in the game is that we've been where you are and we hope for you to have less pain in your life. We want you to have what we have, mm-hmm. and that's it. It's really is an altruistic movement, mm-hmm. and um, I can get through to another alcoholic because we understand each other. Yeah, um, I can talk about the way I felt uh, when I wasn't drinking, and that's a huge part of this. Like when I wasn't drinking, I felt ill at ease. I felt like things weren't good enough. I always thought people were judging me or talking about me. You know, me, 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 me. I was the center. I thought of everyone else's world. And it was usually negative. Um, So when you talk to another alcoholic like that, and they're like, yeah, I think like that too. Or I felt like that too. The loneliness, feeling abandoned, feeling alone, feeling hopeless. 
um, these are things that other alcoholics can relate to. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to hear that probably from a doctor. No. But you're going to hear it from another alcoholic. And I think that's a really good um, guide for a sponsee looking for a sponsor. The ex-problem drinker who has found this solution. Yes. Who is properly armed with facts about himself. That's what you want in a sponsor. You want someone that has found the solution and has enough self-knowledge only as it pertains to being able to do the work. Meaning, I know what my fourth is. I know what my fears are. I know how to do a tenth. I know what this program means. Um, That's a really good way to look for a sponsor. And someone who has what you want and is happy, joyous, and free. Yeah. Not the dick who's got 45 years in the corner who's absolutely miserable. (laughs) It's just rude and angry judgmental no I don't want that I hope I'm I hope I'm I have as much peace as I do today when I'm 90 and I'm riddled with health ailments why because I abused the shit out of my Mm -hmm. body when I was younger it probably won't be a smooth that's also a relief though to think about aging in a body that's so much more healthy takes a lot of anxiety away from me because I don't have to worry about my liver anymore or brain yeah. damage or any of those things i'm like you know what it gives me a sense of control over my own well-being yeah. it's like quitting smoking you get some of the, you know your lung you don't have to worry about dying improves. cancer hopefully yeah hopefully yeah um but a lot of that can get better once you stop so stop drinking put the drink down just stop it i dare you stop it <laughs> you want to use your willpower put the drink down commit to a few AA meetings. I was talking to um, a family member who was saying to me, you know, I just feel like uh, the rest of the world has the answers. Mm. They somehow got the handbook to life that I didn't get. Yeah. And uh, they know the secret. And, um, and I, it's funny because they're, they're on the edge of wondering if maybe this program is for them Mm -hmm. or not. And they're my family member. Mm -hmm. I can't save them. I can't make them come to a meeting. I can't make them believe. All I can do is share my experience. Yeah. So that's all I did was I've shared my experience and I've shared that I felt that way too. I thought that way too. And I said, you know, I think the difference is, is that what this program has taught me is that they don't have the secret to life. They just make decisions. (laughs) (laughs) You know, someone like myself uh, wavers. I sit on the fence a lot instead of making a decision. Mm -hmm. And when we get to step three in this program, that's when we make a decision. Are we going to do it? Yeah. Or are we out? We're in or we're out. And I suggested, you know, why don't you try making a decision to just go? Just try a few meetings. Yeah, like what do you have to lose? You don't have to sign a contract. You don't have to tell anybody anything about yourself. Nope. Just walk in and see how it goes. It's like committing to a new series on Netflix. Give it three episodes. And if you don't like it, don't go back don't go back don't watch it don't finish i said you can go in and say your name is julie if you want yeah and it was a dude i was talking to so that was kind of funny but you know you don't have to it's an anonymous program yeah you don't even have to tell them your real first name you don't have to sign up for anything we're not going to send you mailings or books or no one's gonna stalk you yeah hopefully hopefully (laughs) it's all good give it a shot yes so give it a try 
I like this like blind selection topic method. Just we should do this again. Chit chatting. All right, we will. I think will. I just screamed Ooh, into the microphone. Look, I just opened up to page one thirty-five. Oh, there's it, some slogans there. It lists three slogans. First things first. Live and let live, and easy does it. Maybe we'll talk about those in another podcast of Two Sober Chicks. So keep coming back. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. This has been Two Sober Chicks. We love you. Thank <laughs> you.